What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host, Dom, and as always, I'm joined by Chase and Zach. We got a pretty good show for you guys today as we wrapped up the quarterfinal of the Champions League. And since our last show, we have the World Cup draw, the first round of the World Cup draw, with some pretty interesting groups coming from that. Um, but getting things started, what did you guys make of these, of the quarterfinal draw with the um, Champions League? I absolutely loved it. I think we saw one very clear underdog take their matchup and, you know, take it in a very impressive way, in a way to yeah. where they established their play style against a better team. They consistently stuck to their style over two legs with an objectively worse squad. Um, it's a credit to their mindset. It's a credit to their coaching. Um, I think all the other ties, the winners were, I mean, the only one that could have been 50-50 was Madrid-Chelsea. The other ones were fairly predictable. But even with the predictable ones, I think my favorite matchup was Man City-Atletico because Atletico, by sticking to their guns and doing what they know they can do best, they were very close to at least dragging that into extra time. And I think that is amazing i think that's hilarious and i think that's great for football yeah i thought you were talking about the main city game the whole time uh <clears throat> you're talking about the dark horse and you know because atletico came into that game just absolutely i mean atletico comes into every game with just diego's play style and it i mean it never changes and when it works it works really well and unfortunately, today they got it to work, but they couldn't get it to work the way they needed it to. And they came really close, especially in the last, I mean, what, we had 11 minutes of extra time today. And I think they had three or four chances where they could have easily taken that game to extra time. So um, it's it's an unfortunate draw, but um, I, I mean, all props to Man City. They stuck it out. They, they, they played against it pretty good. So, uh, I, I mean, even Benfica went out and they were like... <laughs> Came out and they were like, we're not going down without a shooter's chance. So, I mean, to pull a 3 3 draw against Liverpool, that was, I mean, within it. Yeah, that was crazy. That leg itself is ridiculous. But I, I mean, they came out and they, they played their heart out. So, and then obviously we had the, the, the Chelsea Real Madrid extra time game. I mean, this quarterfinal draw was, was ridiculous. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the Benfica. Liverpool game was probably the one that was a little lacking, um, but my dark horse is still in it. We taking out Juventus, taking <laughs> out Bayern. True. Maybe they're taking out Liverpool next. You never know. But. Oh, I would love to see that. <laughs> but in all honesty, I, I think the Chelsea Real Madrid match was one of the greatest games that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That absolutely incredible. And uh, we talked about it on, on the last episode with um, the Champions League not having any away goals. And I, I think not having the away goals really, it kept Chelsea in the in the draw and it still gave them a chance. And they damn near pulled it off. They they got as close as you possibly can of, of actually overcoming. Was it a, a three, two or three goal deficit? Two goal deficit, yeah. But two goal deficit, yeah. yeah. So, that was crazy. Then, Absolutely amazing. I, I think Chelsea deserved to win, but also so did Real Madrid. Benzema is just out, playing out of his mind right now. Um, the the City Atletico draw kind of aggravating. I, I think 
at, at times Atletico just seemed more intent on just almost trying to bully City instead of actually trying to play good football. And we, we, we look at um, what happened with Foden today and, and the fight that ensued from that. Like there, there's just no justification for any of those actions. And it was really all started by Atletico. Um, so it was kind of a shame to see that, but, you know, both teams play hard and I, I think the, the better team won. I'm excited, really excited for the semifinals. I think the Villarreal and Liverpool match is going to be really interesting. I'm kind of interested to see if Villarreal chases a dark horse can somehow make it to the final. Yeah, I think the funniest thing about, as a neutral, I have to say, about the Atletico Man City match is that it is so clear that all of that was premeditated because they were targeting Grealish, who is like a huge signing but hasn't been playing a lot so maybe they thought he would be easily frustrated they were clearly targeting Foden like oh he's a young hot-headed player maybe we can get him to react like it was so meticulous and so premeditated and it's just funny that Atletico's been doing that for a decade and it all like like Chase said like when it works it works great to the point to where they get to the final and even this year when they don't quite have the players it almost worked they were one goal off and that's, I, I can't help but to admire it. Is it maybe a bit anti-football? I don't know. I was listening to a lot of English broadcasts and they were very upset about it. I, I think it's part of the game, honestly, but I understand how people say it's, it's not a good advert for the sport. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between, you know, playing pretty physical and, you know, talking a lot of crap on the pitch, but when you're, you know, actively trying to hurt players or just bully them. I, I think that's taking a little too far. I mean, it even escalated in the, in the hallway after the, after the match where some yeah. um, Atletico players were throwing stuff at city players and it, it's just not good. So um, I'm sure they'll, they'll find some discipline from that, but moving on. Um, how do you guys think that the, the latest champions league round affects the Ballon d'Or? Do you think it, Pretty, do you think Benzema kind of just wrapped it up, or do you think that there's some other players that played pretty well and kind of have a shot at it? So I will go ahead and sing Benzema's praises. Um, I saw an interview with uh, R9, Ronaldo, and Del Piero on Italian football about how Benzema deserves to have a Ballon d'Or in his career. And I mean, maybe I'm just being reactive now because I've never rated him that highly, but I have to agree at this point. And I went into a deep dive of age comparisons. So he is one year older than Lewandowski. He is the same age as uh, Gonzalo Higuain, <laughs> who retired to the MLS two years ago. He is only one year younger than Suarez, Cavani, and Giroud, who are, I mean, I, I hate to drag them, but who are no longer really relevant. Yeah. And he is putting up the best goal-scoring numbers in Europe. And he's not only doing it in La Liga, which I know some people don't rate very highly, but he's doing it in the Champions League. He's doing it in the biggest matches against the biggest teams with hat-tricks. And, yeah, I mean, based on the team performance, they're going to win La Liga. They already made it to the semifinal of the Champions League, which is fantastic. Um, and specifically comparing to Lewandowski, it's a World Cup year, and France is more likely to make it far compared to Poland. 
no offense to our Polish listeners, but so I think this, I think this might have wrapped it up for him, to be completely honest, as long as he doesn't have some horrific downfall. That's, um, yeah, that's fair. Benzema's having a good year, so Messi should win, is what I'm thinking. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, realistically, there's just, there's nobody else right now. There's nobody else um, making it past Chelsea in the manner that they did with Benzema carrying Real Madrid in the first leg and coming back and securing the, the win in the second leg. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see, I don't see anybody right now that's, that's, that's vying for it. And even like the early polls came out and Benzema's in the front with Lewandowski trolling behind and, and Bappe's in there. And I mean, there's just nobody else that's had the year that he's had. He's put up some of the best numbers he's ever had and he's never been a slouch. And, uh, and, you know, he's one of those players that everybody talks about. Does he get enough praise? Does he get enough this? No, he's never gotten enough praise because he's always been behind Ronaldo and everybody knows this. But, I mean, at the moment Ronaldo left Real Madrid, Benzema filled those shoes. And it's not until right now that everybody in the world is starting to be like, oh, wait, he's really is filling those shoes. And unfortunately for him, he probably doesn't have that much longer to fill those shoes because of the situation that they're in and a lot or Mbappe wanting to go. Real Madrid. So, I mean, if he can win a Ballon d'Or with his last year here at the the main striker at Real Madrid, I think that would be it'd be really deserving for his career, and I think it would fit well, um, especially without the year he's having. I, I don't see, I don't see it not happening at this point. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because this year is the year I was convinced that the backseat was intentional because he never mm-hmm. created drama in the media. He just you know, humbly accepted. I'm going to be in Ronaldo's shadow. I'm going to be a good player, not a great player. I'm going to contribute to multiple leagues, multiple champions leagues. And this is what's best for the team. And I think that's what really has garnered new respect. I've always thought he's just a a great striker, but this is, this is showing that he could have been doing this or maybe even more because he was younger over the past several years. And I don't know. I, yeah, I think he's, he's well-deserving of it. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. It's still very early, but I agree with you that I don't see anyone offsetting it at this point. Yeah, I'd agree. I think he's got it pretty locked up, but what what really makes me wonder is the way that he's played this season. I really wonder what he could have done in his younger days if he was, let's say, mm-hmm. the main striker for not Real Madrid, but another La Liga squad where he was the main focal point. Like what what accolades, personal accolades could he have accomplished? Um, I think he definitely could have been regarded as one of the better strikers in the world. Because, I mean, we look at what he's doing at, what, 30, 32, I want to say 34. he is? 34. Imagine what he could have done at 25, being, let's say, the main striker for, I don't know, insert any La Liga squad other than Real Madrid or Barcelona. I'm happy for him. I, I think it's it's well-deserved. I, I, he's running away with it right now. He's having one of the greatest seasons that I've I've seen in a while. Oh, quick shout out. I know we mentioned how well Modric is doing in the last podcast. That might be the greatest pass I've seen in a decade. That was when I saw the replays from from the rear and how much curl he got on that with the outside of his foot. That was yeah, that needs a shout out. That was fantastic. It was pretty good. <laughs> that wasn't that good. It was it was mid. Okay. It was mid. <laughs> I saw, I saw I saw some Loftus cheek passes that were pretty decent. All right, 
Really? I forgot he played in that game, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, can, call, hold on. Can we? There was a there was a there was a quick mention of a Suarez back there. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the Suarez performances for a second? I mean, that's a striker that deservedly had been given world praise for many, many years in his Liverpool days and his Barcelona days. He goes to Atletico Madrid, wins the league the first year. It's his second year there. Nothing. Absolutely no production out of him. He's been injured half the season. He hasn't played. He's been coming back. He's been not. He's been dropped from the squad because he's been injured and he's been out of form. What's going on there? Like, do you think, do you think if Luis Suarez was even semi-decently in form that that Atletico Madrid side today could have beat Man City. No. Oh, I'm glad you said no. no because I was, I was going to say yes because just based on his history, he's the man to where if you just need a goal, he can provide it. But to your point, Chase, just to compare him to his countryman Cavani, I think he, he just hit an age where he had a very steep and sudden unexpected drop-off. I mean, people forget Cavani at United last year was a very productive and good striker. And this year has either been completely injured, not picked, or has played and done absolutely nothing. And I think just randomly the same thing happened to Suarez this year. And I mentioned him earlier. I think the same thing happened to Iguain when he transferred to Chelsea. The year before that, he was a good, productive, and frequently picked striker. And then he went... 100 to zero immediately. And yeah. I don't, I don't know why this happens to so many South American strikers, but this has happened to them since like the nineties, but I don't know why. And it hurts because I feel like he still has something in the tank. He still has the fire, but he's either not being picked. He's not performing in training or he just is injured. I don't, I'm not sure. I think he, I, I, I think I think that's what they were missing today. I gen, I genuinely think I think that's what Atletico Madrid is missing entirely is an informed Suarez and or his even, ear biting. Even even when even when they won the league last year, um, he was he was I mean I think he was close to leading goal scorer. He kind of fell off towards the end of the year. Didn't really do a whole lot, but I mean they locked it up and they come into this year and. They, they came out of the gate really strong. I mean, they were holding on to the league for a long time, kind of hit a slope. They were doing well in the Champions League, but they haven't had a striker. I mean, they've been using Carrasco and Correa, and Joao Felix has been eh, – he's been picking it up over the last couple of games. But with the way that they've been playing defensive ball and the way they've been playing Diego ball, if you have that fat Ronaldo striker that's just sitting there like Luis Suarez who can muscle somebody off the ball and put that finesse shot away – I, I mean, I think they could have done it today. And I think that if he was, I, I can't even, I don't think he was on the pitch in the last couple of minutes there. I think if he was, he was playing like current Luis Suarez, where he's just really not that involved in the play. Um, I, I think if they had an inform Suarez up there in those last dying seconds before that game ended, I think that could have ended 1-1. And I don't know. I think it could have been different, but. It's just sad to see because we're talking about Benzema and we're talking about all these mm-hmm. strikers that are getting older and are, are still playing world-class. And Suarez was one of my favorite strikers to watch, obviously, as a Barcelona fan at MSN. And he was amazing at Liverpool, probably, I mean, arguably one of the better Liverpool strikers that have ever gone through the club. So it, yeah. it's, it's just unfortunate, but I don't know. Arguably I just the best striker of the generation, I would 
absolutely it's, have that conversation. He's he's been phenomenal. I just don't think that he has any more in the tank. Where even if he was fit enough to play, I just don't think that he's at the level where he could have gotten past really anyone in the in the city defense to really make an impact. Now, if, if this was four or five years ago when he was still Luis Suarez that we all know, absolutely, he would have been a game changer. If if it was in if it was Luis Suarez in his prime, I don't think City get past this round of the of the Champions League. I mean, I don't know. Luis Suarez before he left Barcelona was putting up numbers. He was the only one. I told Zach this a million times before we even started this podcast that Luis Suarez is a fat <laughs> piece of shit, but he's the only one that plays for the badge. And <laughs> and that was when Messi was still at the club. So it could it could also be a factor when when they're playing against Man City, which is a team that has quality in every position, a team that plays high press and is always going to have more of the position. Honestly, if I'm Atletico, I'm going to have better luck with Joao Felix and Lamar because I'm just hoping for that one counterattack. I'm hoping yeah. for that one ball that I can lob over the top and they mistime their offsides trap and all of a sudden I'm through on goal. And that happened, it almost happened several times in the first half. So I just think it was part of the strategy of we're going to sit deep and we're going up there and we just need our fastest players up front. And yeah, and, and Luis Suarez has never been that, you know, right. I've got 90 pace, just let me offside, you know, I'll outrun you. He's... <laughs> Yeah, he's Fat Ronaldo. He's Fat Ronaldo. <laughs> anyway, we can move on. I just had to get a little rant out about Fat. So. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> so moving on, um, there was a, another draw this in this round of the Champions League that was pretty surprising with Bayern not being able to get through. Do you think that this is kind of the end of the Bayern that we know? Is Lewandowski, is he, where is he going to go? Is he, does he stay with Bayern or what, what kind of happens from here? Oh, boy. Well, Lewandowski obviously been rumored to have contact with Barcelona, which I think is fascinating, hilarious, and probably a good move for Barcelona if it does happen. But uh, going back to Bayern, I think this is a tough situation. Every club faces it because they have to choose, do I pay out the veterans that have been club legends for a long time and give them the exit they deserve? Or do I try to focus on youth and just get rid of them? And that's a tough balance to strike. I think there's a lot of examples of clubs that have done it wrong. Um, The most visceral memory for me is the way that Real Madrid released uh, Iker Casillas. It was disgraceful. It was in a like basement press conference that no one was attending. And it was completely disrespectful to the club legend that he was. I hope Bayern doesn't do that to the likes of, you know, Neuer, Lewandowski, Thomas Miller. Players that are aging might have a little bit to offer, but, you know, you don't want to dismiss them. But also, you can't give them a huge contract because they all have a little bit left, but not that much. Your young players like Mabry, Musiala, they are becoming a little bit discontent because they've been kind of living in the shadow. So are they going to start looking for other contracts? Probably. It's been reported that uh, Bayern is not in the best financial situation. I don't have a lot of details on that. I just know that their club president talks about how they don't have a lot of money now, which is why they have already gotten rid of uh, Sule to Dortmund, which is honestly one of their better center backs these days. So 
I'm a little worried that this is the dawning of an era of, you know, some of the greatest German players of all time, at least. And the new generation might leave just for contract reasons. And then, you know, we might not have another Bundesliga team that's challenging for Champions League for the next three, four years. If everything goes worst case scenario for Bayern. That's as a Barcelona fan. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> that, is, that is every word that I wanted to hear. Um, what I have to say about the draw that happened today or yesterday is I think Villarreal played the best game they could possibly play. I think Bayern came out as strong as possible. And all credit to Villarreal, Bayern couldn't figure it out. I, I, they couldn't figure it out in the first leg and came out and they were a lot stronger. Byron were a lot stronger than their second leg. They created a lot more chances, especially in the first half than they did in the entire game in the first leg. And I really thought this was looking like, you know, that Leipzig performance where Leipzig was holding on to a draw the first leg and then got thrashed 8-1 in the second leg or whatever it was. So um, I, I figured that's what was going to yeah. happen based off the start of the Villarreal game. But Villarreal played amazingly. Um, I and I really can't tell you what went wrong for Bayern Munich. They just couldn't, they couldn't get it to flow. They couldn't get that click in the final third. They had the build-up play. They were playing decent defense, and they just couldn't get that click in the final third. And you know, sometimes that happens. But for it to happen in two games in a row, you're. I'm not saying you're slipping in the league, but you're kind of slipping in the league a little bit. You had a lot bigger of advantage than you did right now. Um, and it's just kind of like, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting thing to, th- thing to see because even though you have all these aging players and you have Lewandowski, who's, I mean, still putting up amazing numbers all the time, scoring hat tricks, quadruples, just every other game for no reason. Uh, Thomas Miller still playing out of his mind. Your young players are playing out of their mind. And, and somehow all of a sudden, I mean, you bring in, whatever new coach's name is after you got rid of Flick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and things just started to, you were still going good, but you weren't rolling as hard. And I think that's where things started. I don't, I don't know if there's some sort of disconnect there between a young coach and the aging players and the young players all trying to get everything together, but um, things have been rolling, but obviously they've hit a big halt right here. So um, I, I I don't know what they're going to, I didn't hear the rumors about the, um, the financial problems with Byron, but uh, I mean, all props to Villarreal. Uh, obviously, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm ecstatic for him. It's in as a La Liga fan, it's nice to see a La Liga side that isn't Barca or Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid actually do something in a cop in on the biggest stage of Europe. So, I, I don't know if they get past Liverpool. Liverpool has been really strong, and I'm sure we'll talk about that Liverpool Man City game a little bit later, but um, they'll put up a fight for sure. I'm glad that you brought up uh, Nagosman because I think while tactically he is a brilliant coach and he has clearly had connections with some of the younger players, I think coaching and team leadership is where the biggest change has happened. And I'm not only comparing this to Bayern teams of the past, I'm comparing this to German football culture of the past. Because German football culture of the past has been, I don't care who we're playing against, I don't care what the score is, and I don't care what the time is. I'm going to play beautiful football to the best of my ability, 
until the ref blows the whistle. National team-wise, this has been evidenced by the 7-1 against Brazil. Um, <laughs> Bayern-wise, this has been evidenced with their games against Barcelona, but it also works the other way because Bayern and Germany have been trashed by other teams too, but they don't stop playing to the best of their ability. and They don't stop trying until the final whistle every single game. And that has been the German mentality, and it has been the Bayern mentality. And I am missing that this year because, I mean, frankly, Bayern has lost against some terrible, terrible Bundesliga teams this year, and it's unexcusable. And, I mean, frankly, it's as well as Villarreal played and as well as they're coached, it is inexcusable for your payroll to lose to that team. It just is. Do you think that's more of a testament to their main players as getting older and not being able to keep up with some of the younger guys, or is it just some of the younger guys is not buying into kind of what their culture has been over the last couple of decades? Ah, I can't because answer there, that objectively because I love Thomas Miller and I love Manuel Neuer. I, I will never pin it on the older guys because they're just, they're legends of the country. They've won world cups, but yeah, I, so it's hard for me to answer. I'm, I'm going to say it's neither. I'm, I'm genuinely going to say it's neither. I, for me, the only thing that logically makes sense. I mean, this team was absolutely rolling through everybody last year and the start of this year until, you know, Nagelsmann came in and, and I'm not saying he's the issue. He's a good coach. He's proved himself in a couple of games. He's proved his tactics a couple of times, but there's mm-hmm. just, I, I don't know. And, and it seems the more I think about it and the more I, I, I look at results, it seems to line up a little bit more that they, they've struggled in the game. I mean, they got knocked out of the German Cup really early. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they lost a huge lead in the Bundesliga. There's got to be something going on with either the tactics or just the mindset of the players under this coach where it's just not as, as, it's not as tight as it needs to be. Because these players, I mean, even in their older age, are still world-class players and there's some older players on some other teams that have been world-class players that are no longer world-class players and i will be happy to admit that but there's the players on Bayern; they are not those players they absolutely have everything it takes and i feel like from what i've seen on the pitch in previous games they have what it takes to bring the youngsters to that level and that mentality and anybody that comes in so i don't i mean i don't i don't think I don't think we've seen the last of, of a strong Bayern. I think they're still going to be a force to reckon with, obviously not this year, but I think it's um, they've got some problems to address. Obviously um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see them hitting really a stump. I think this is probably going to wake them up a little bit and something's going to change um, from here on out, just because they got knocked out by Viral Leal. So I don't I see anything. Yeah, you brought up a really important point there of historically, they've been so good at getting the players they bring in up to their level. I think my favorite example of that is obviously Coutinho, because that was iconic. And he came in on loan and just absolutely smashed it. And but you look at what have been their signings. Upamecano has been really, really lukewarm, not worth the money for sure. And um Sabitzer has been he's he's the what Saul is to Chelsea that is Sabitzer to Bayern where (laughs) you bring him on every now and again because you remember like wait last year this was one of the best midfielders in the world but it's just 
ghost town. So that is super concerning. Yeah, I agree. They definitely have some big decisions to make over the summer. And, you know, Jose Mourinho, savior of Bayern, bring him in, new coach. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, let's see if he wins against Photo Glimpse tomorrow because they're a really good squad. <laughs> That's a whole new topic, how within one season, there is an entirely new rivalry in Europe where coaches are beating each other up. <laughs> And they're trading with each other's rivals. Photo Glint and Roma is going to go down in history. We'll see, we'll see about that. I, I, I can't it's been fun to follow, just, at least. You can't deny that. I can't believe you just brought up Jose the Byron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said it sarcastically. It wouldn't surprise me, though. The, the man jumps around to every team in Europe just to get a job. So it wouldn't surprise me. He just, there's no way. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think that'd be hilarious. I would love to see a Jose Byron squad. And that, those press conferences would be amazing. <laughs> I want him to get the job solely for the press conferences, not not for, you know, his his team's play on the field. I just want to see him just have just a, a rough time with those reporters. Oh, man. <laughs> but moving on to the final topic of the episode. Um, we thought we were going to have the Premier League Championship game between City and, and Liverpool this weekend. Um, it kind of didn't really live up to expectations, but there was still, I think, a lot to be learned from the game. What did what did you guys take away from it? Well, I don't know if I would say it didn't live up to expectations. I, I would just say that. we I mean, didn't, <laughs> we didn't, my, get, a, we didn't get a Premier League winner out of that game. I mean, my my Homer Man City. I, I want Man City to win everything. So it didn't live up to my expectations because I wanted City to win that game really badly. But it was but, an amazing game. It was yeah. a great game of football. Um, I, I mean, it could have gone it could have gone anywhere at multiple points of that game. Both sides had multiple chances that could have been put away. Man City was up 3-2 at one point and unfortunately got the goal, the, the goal drawn off. So um but I, I mean, what they're looking at a is it still a one point or is it two point differential? I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, hold but, on, um, if you give me if you give me one second, I can look it up. But they're, they're looking at a really close differential between the two sides mm-hmm. right now, and they're it both is a playing. One point difference. Yeah, they're they're both playing just phenomenal football. They're both playing to their best of their ability right now, and, and obviously that showed in that game. I mean, when you have a two-two draw against two teams that are fighting for the championship. I mean, that's, that's everything you got on that pitch at that moment. And it could have been three, three, it could have been four, four at some points. It could have been three, two mm-hmm. at some points for either direction. So, I mean, that game yeah. was just phenomenal to watch. But um, what I got from that game is that I, I genuinely feel like Man City can be the stronger side, but that was their, that was their chance to really, but that, I mean, everybody knows that that was whoever's club was going to win that game. That was the chance to put the league away. I think yep. Man City showed in that game that if they would have put that game away, this league is theirs. But they did not. And so I'm, I'm a little up in the air about it. I know we talked about it earlier in a couple of podcasts ago that I said Man City is definitely going to pull this out. I think Man City showed that if that if that 3-2 scoreline would have showed, I think that was it. Like that was it for the league. There was nothing they were going to do to bottle it. I don't. I don't know. I, I just don't know at this point. I, I'm. I'm really up in the air. Yeah. 
I, I think Man City still is capable to do it. Obviously, they have that one-point lead. Obviously, they're always a strong performer, but they needed that. They needed that goal. Agree. And I would say, going on to your last point there, based on the schedule, going into the game, my thought was, if Man City wins, the league is entirely over. No need to even watch the rest of the Prem. If it's a tie, Man City goes into it with a slight advantage. If Liverpool wins, they go into it with a slight advantage, but still not completely over yet. So I think it it stays at slight advantage Man City, which has been the status quo for the past couple of weeks. But also, yeah, like you said, what a game. I mean, if I, if someone asks me, show me one game to convince me that I should love football, this is in the top five games of the past decade that I would show them. It was so much fun. It was so much back and forth. And I know I said... I love the animosity between uh, Atletico and Man City, but I also love the mutual respect and camaraderie between Liverpool and Man City because these were two teams that, obviously, while they were playing, they were going at it. They would not give an inch. They would exploit every advantage to get a win. But once it was over, once the final whistle blew, both coaches embraced each other. All the players embraced each other. And I think that is also beautiful. Apart from the animosity, I think just the mutual respect of we are two of the best clubs. We just put on a great show and we should celebrate that even though neither of us won. I love that moment specifically. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, rivalries should be bitter and they should be punching each other. But I'm like, to a certain extent, no, they just created art and they should celebrate right. that. I agree. Um, but looking at their remaining schedules for Liverpool and City. I do I do think Liverpool have a little bit of an easier schedule um, remaining for the Prem. But, I mean, Man City also have a pretty easy schedule. I think the only really difficult game they have coming up is um, the second to last game of the season, they have West Ham and they have mm. uh, Newcastle. But the rest of these games are, are very winnable games that City should win. I think this is definitely going to come down to the, the last game of the season. Is I, I don't I don't see any of these teams, or I don't see City or Liverpool losing any of the the remaining games of the season. So I'm looking at these schedules here, right? And I'm glad you brought that up because I was just about to bring up the schedules, right? <laughs> and and you say that Liverpool has the easier schedule, a little bit easier. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of clubs that have been in some standings that historically they shouldn't be in, like Everton, who they faced in a couple of weeks, but they've got Man United. A Newcastle side which has just been unstoppable. Man United is three points for free. I don't want to hear anything else. They've got Everton, they've got Tottenham, they've got Aston Villa, and then their last two games are washed, Southampton and Wolves. But you never know with Wolves. You really never know with Wolves. That could end up being a 2 better than Man United. Yeah. (laughs) Everton's about to get relegated, potentially get relegated. United are a joke, and they can't really win anything. So, I mean, they – I don't know. I, then, I feel like but then, but then you look at but then you look at Man City, right? It's Wolves, Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, which again I said with Liverpool could be a tough game for either one of these. I mean, they're probably gonna win Man City or Liverpool, but it could they could put up a fight. They've been putting up a fight with every team that they faced in the past like couple of weeks. And then True. they've got West Ham, which is probably the hardest game on their schedule. Well, only and if the is a cat, and then that they should be fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't think Kurt Zuma is allowed to play anymore, which is unfortunate. But I think he did get injured. <laughs> That's fair. 
I don't know. I think Man City's got the I think Man City's got the easiest schedule that they could have hoped for coming up. Obviously, they don't play Man United, which could have been a free three points like Liverpool does. But I th- I think with the, with the way things played out, I think they're they're probably going to hold on to it. But I'm definitely more questionable that they weren't able to secure the win, and with the lead only being one point. Um, I mean, anything could happen. Anything could happen. They could lose to Watford four one. You know, some other yeah. Manchester clubs lose to Watford four one. Why can't they? Hey, well, hey, look, th- that's the other Manchester club. We with how good their game was, can you imagine they meet? Champions League final, and then it all comes down to separate games, final game day in the Premier League. This could be a beautiful new story yeah. of well, Man City also, versus Liverpool. I'm here for it. Let's not forget that, you know, City and Liverpool play again in three days for the FA Cup semifinal. Oh, like right. That, that, com- that competition has been completely forgotten about. And if you, if you enjoyed City and Liverpool this past weekend, you're going to get it again because it's going to be another really, really close, really hard-fought game. Dang. Isn't that the only competition that Chelsea's still in the running for? Uh, you can shut I your... Be- I believe so. I believe so. Your, right. your Bundesliga-loving <laughs> mouth. <laughs> yeah, we're out of everything, to be fair. <laughs> out of everything. All you can win is a league that you fight within yourselves. I think even, even Chelsea in... has the respect to not even fight for a league that we can't even hold on. Win. I think Leipzig's still in the Europa League, but we'll see if that could change tomorrow. So does Bayern drop to the conference league or I think Van United does. I think Bayern <laughs> goes back to the Champions League. But also the conference league is fun. So it's okay. Yeah, well it says, yeah. You know, yeah. you're still in the running to win the first conference league ever. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to lose to Bodo Glimp, and that might be the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened in Roma history. Maybe, but and this is a tangent, but I think it's really fun that they in, that they included a third league where, like, some of the teams that are never going to qualify for the Europa League are making it in. And let's not forget, Tottenham got knocked out in the group stages. Like, these are some well, scrappy teams. It's fun. They got knocked out on a technicality. They did, but still, the fact that they didn't they win all their games out, before though. the technicality is kind of embarrassing. So They're the first club in history to lose every possible trophy available. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah, you really know how to pick your clubs, don't you? No winners. No winners here. Nope. <laughs> all right. Well, that pretty much wraps up everything that I had for this episode. As as always, it was a great discussion. I'm glad you guys were able to make it onto the, the show this week. Of course. Thanks uh, for thanks having again. me. Of course, of course. So thanks again for watch for thanks again for watching. It's a podcast. <laughs> thanks again for listening, everyone. And as always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of On the Pitch. Make sure to follow On the Pitch Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you in the next one.